now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Let us pray. Jesus, all the hope of humanity rested on you and you did not let us down. From the moment that sin entered the garden and hope was stolen from the human race, before that ever happened, you had already had a plan. Father, your word says that you have chosen to redeem us before the foundations of the world were ever set in place. Christ, your son, was chosen. And at the fullness of time, in the right time, the time that you selected, the time that you ordained, you sent your son, born of a virgin, born as a man, fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, perfectly innocent. The word says that you went around doing good to all, healing the sick, teaching people about the kingdom and revealing who the father is. And Jesus, you became our perfect sacrifice. You became our substitute. You became our Passover lamb. Scripture says that like a lamb that is led out to slaughter, they murdered you. The sin of the world was put on you, Jesus, and you died. A very real, a very physical death, but you rose again from the dead. And we declare today that you are risen and that you are risen indeed. 
we declare today that death and hell and the grave have not overcome, but you have overcome. And because you have overcome and because you live, there is hope and there is life and there is strength that is available for us today. And today we calibrate our faith. Today we set our hope and our expectation and our confidence on you and on the fact that nothing has the last word but you. And today we declare that you deserve our devotion and our affection. You deserve our worship. You deserve our lives. And we honor you and we worship you today. Now let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat this morning. You look beautiful today, Antioch Church. You look beautiful. So glad and so happy to be with you on this joyous Resurrection Sunday. And uh, for those of you who have been with us for quite some time, we've been taking a journey. And that journey has led us up to this day, a day of celebration, a day of jubilation. And no matter where you're at in your life right now, and no matter what all the surrounding circumstances may be for you, today what we want to do is we want to communicate the hope that is available in the gospel and the hope that is available because our Lord and our Savior truly has risen from the dead, defeating death, which is the final enemy. If you're here with us today for the first time, my name's Jay Duncan, and I have the great honor and the incredible privilege of leading this family of believers called Antioch Church. And today is a very special day for me because today actually marks the sixth day that, or the sixth year, the sixth year that we've been here in CSCS. Uh, we moved into this building six years ago, and it's been a great facility for us. Uh, a lot of incredible moments have happened here, a lot of encounters with God, a lot of people's lives have been changed. And it's, it's been a good tabernacle for us. So uh, happy anniversary uh, upon coming into CSCS six years ago. It's been a wonderful journey. Those of you guys who've been with us the past six years, uh, the best is yet to come. And yes, I know you're all wondering, when will we have a place of our own? And it will happen. It will happen in God's time and it will happen soon enough. I'm sure of it. Well, I heard that the Good Friday service was amazing. And in spite of the weather, uh, there are about 50 to 55 people crammed into Mod Q, uh, thinking deeply and reflecting richly upon the wonder of the cross and um, just deep and powerful encounters taking place on that Good Friday service. So for those of you who braved the elements, I heard there was even a family that drove all the way down from Denver and uh, praying for miracles on their drive back home, but made it home safely. Thank you for joining us. I know this is the first year that we've done that and uh, it will become a new tradition within this house and a, a time that we take to celebrate and honor everything that God has done for us. I hope this has been a rich holy week for you. Uh, I know that it's been rich for me in many ways. It's been a rich season leading up to this wonderful day that we call Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we have been in a series for the past couple of months now on the Lord's Prayer. Hence us declaring and praying uh, the Lord's Prayer as we begin our service together. Uh, but today is going to be a very unique day because last week, if you remember on Palm Sunday, we transitioned to a new part of the Lord's Prayer called Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Will Be Done. And we're going to continue that today, but it's going to have a particular focus. It's going to have a particular nuance in it, and that is the focus of hope. 
Now within the resurrection, which is the cornerstone of Christianity, within the resurrection, which is the foundation of our faith itself, like we declared today in our corporate reading, if there were no resurrection, our faith would be futile because we would still be dead in our sins. Everything in Christianity hinges on the resurrection. It is the turning point of all of humanity. It's the turning point of all of history, and it is the beginning of the kingdom of God coming into the world. So today we're going to focus on a particular facet of God's kingdom, and that facet in particular is hope. Now we could talk about victory. We could talk about the fact that uh, the cross and the resurrection bring victory to the believer. Uh, We could focus on peace. The resurrection brings peace that is unspeakable and full of glory. We could focus on love because it was love that conquered death and love that conquered all. But today, I believe that God is saying, I want to mold into this family of believers a fresh injection and a fresh revelation of hope. Now, hope is a very interesting concept to talk about in the midst of Holy Week and in the midst of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ because if we, if we zoom back thousands of years ago, what we'll find is this. We'll find a people, particularly the people of Israel, the Jewish people of whom Christ came from, and we find that their hope was that Jesus would be a nationalistic deliverer, that he would be a Messiah to them, the promised Messiah that would deliver them from the oppression, the rule, and the tyranny of Rome. And we find out that their hopes were right, but they were just not complete. Because Christ, in fact, was the Messiah and in fact was the deliverer, but he wasn't just the Messiah and the deliverer for them or for that moment. He was the Messiah and the deliverer for all peoples at all times, including us now and including many, many generations to come after us. In that moment, though, of darkness, when the people of God at that time were hiding under what we call the shadow of the cross, their hopes, it seemed, had come to, uh, to an end. Because here, they, you know, as, as we look over the scriptures, we find something very, very fascinating. We find that even though Jesus had prepped them, even though the scriptures prior to Jesus' arrival had spoke about resurrection, resurrection was nowhere on the grid for these guys. I went back last night and went through every gospel and just read over the resurrection accounts in every one of the gospels. And it's amazing. It's amazing. These guys were completely taken by surprise, even though Jesus had prepped to them so many times. So much so that even when Jesus arrived to his disciples, there were some that didn't even believe him. They didn't even believe this was real. They didn't believe this was happening. Because their hope in the midst of great tragedy, their hope in the midst of great, great difficulty, their hope in the midst of hopelessness had been broken and had been shattered. But the resurrection does something. The resurrection, it cuts against the grain of hopelessness. It cuts against the grain of tragedy. It reframes and it recontextualizes and it repackages for us what life is because it injects something into the midst of our darkest moments of life. It injects hope. And could you believe or would you believe that in the midst of actual great, horrific tragedy, there's actually beauty and life that can spring forth? Let's take a look at this video and then we'll continue here with our message. It's funny. um, Years ago, I was uh, going to speak on Easter Sunday and my wife Kim sort of... um, And you're still married. Yeah, I'm still married. 30 years later, I'm still married to my beautiful wife, Kim. I have uh, two great kids, uh, Aaron and Mariah, a third daughter, uh, Patty, who um, is our foster daughter. Uh, she's amazing. Um, I was going to speak on Easter, and Kim asked me what I was going to speak on. And of course, she was only asking that out of politeness. She figured I would say the resurrection of Jesus. It's Easter. And I said, I'm going to speak on beauty. And she looked at me with such frustration. She says, what? And I said, yeah, I'm going to speak on beauty because really, if you look at the scriptures, um, the human story is the interweaving the tension between tragedy and beauty. And what Ecclesiastes says is that God makes all things beautiful in its time. And it tells us in the scriptures that we did not uh, consider Jesus beautiful. We considered him um, hideous and that we saw no beauty in him. 
And yet the scriptures also tell us that Jesus is the beautiful one. And I think it's interesting they had this interweaving between beauty and tragedy to the very end of Jesus' life. And then you have this, uh, the, the consummate tragedy of all human history, the death of God, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in the world's greatest tragedy, you have the greatest moment of beauty. And it's interesting now, even generations later, thousands of years later, people wear crosses, not as a declaration of tragedy, but really as um, um, a, a metaphor of beauty. And when we think of the cross, it actually becomes um, a declaration of hope rather than of despair. And, and, and it, it, does, it shouldn't surprise us that God brings this moment where tragedy and beauty collide and they, in a sense, crush Jesus on the cross. He's crucified, buried, and then raised on the third day. And it's, it's the most profound declaration that out of every tragedy, God will create beauty if we will allow him. And that's what I, I love about the, the romance of the cross, that in our greatest act of violence, God was executing his greatest act of love that where there was the greatest moment of despair, God was giving us our greatest hope. When the hate of the world was exercised in a moment, the love of God was unleashed to us in that same moment. Uh, the crosses where the interweaving of tragedy and beauty come together and can never be separated. thought-provoking words there that in the midst of the greatest tragedy that God actually could be weaving and designing something very beautiful to come out of that. Here's what I know. What I know is that every one of us at some point of our lives will experience a disappointment, will experience an upset, will experience probably horrific things that we never imagined to happen in our lives. And when we experience those things, our mind automatically begins searching and looking for some logical reason for why that is. And typically what we do is we deduce that to a number of things. Either this has to be an enemy, this has to be the work of an enemy, the diabolical plan and the execution of our enemy, or it has to be our fault. There has to be something that we've done that have contributed it, contributed to this this, this painful situation or reality in our lives. And I'm, and I'm coming to believe more and more as I, as I study the scriptures because we have to understand this, that many people at that time, and even looking now, looking back, we would say that there's, there's, there's no way that what happened to Christ could have been his fault, he was sinless. And there's no way that what happened to Christ could have been God, so it had to have been the work of the enemy. Well, indeed, the, the enemy, our enemy, Lucifer, Satan, was, was, was at work. But actually what we discover through the scriptures, we find that if the enemy actually knew, if he actually had a clue of the profound wisdom of God that was happening in the midst of that tragedy, there is no way the enemy would have ever touched Christ. Because it was actually in the unjust, it was actually in the evil murder of Christ that God was satisfying his wrath to redeem all of humanity back to our rightful place as heirs and co-heirs and sons and daughters of this world. See, that incredible tragedy that happened to Christ was actually the work of God. God was in the middle of what was unfathomable in that moment. I have a couple of thoughts here on hope I wanna to read to you. This one comes from a guy named Martin Luther. He says, everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. Here's another one. Hope is the raw material from which faith builds the house. Hope is the raw material from which faith builds the house. And we know that Hebrews 11, one through six says that faith is the substance. It is the substance of the things that we hope for. There is no medicine like hope. There is no incentive so great. There is no tonic so powerful 
as expectation of something better tomorrow. Here's a proverb. It says, turn your face to the sun and the shadows shall fall behind you. And here's the last one by Emily Bruner. What oxygen is to the lungs, such is hope to the meaning of life. Hope is oxygen to our spirit. It's oxygen to our purpose. It's oxygen to our destiny. So if we're gonna talk about hope this morning, we ought to take a look at a couple of just basic definitions. Let's look at some working definitions of what hope is as we frame the resurrection, as we frame this day, and even as we frame life moving forward with this context of hope. Very, very simply, hope is the desire of some good that is accompanied with the expectation of obtaining it or the belief that this good is actually obtainable. I found this interesting. It is actually distinguished or it's set apart from just a simple desire. It says right here, it says, hope differs from a wish and it differs from desire in this, the possibility of possessing it. Hope therefore always gives pleasure and it always gives joy, whereas a simple wish and a simple desire may be accompanied with pain or anxiety. So hope is not just a wish. Hope is not just wishful thinking. Hope is not just a random arbitrary desire for some good because those can be accompanied with anxiety and pain. Hope actually has the expectation that this shall happen. In the scriptures, the biblical definition of hope in the New Testament very simply is the desire of some good with expectation of obtaining it. So here we see this and more particularly in the context of salvation, it says that hope is the joyful and the confident expectation of eternal life. So that's what hope is. Today, you might be sitting here and you might say, I don't have a confident expectation of good for tomorrow based on the difficulty that I've walked through, based on the tragedies that I've experienced, based on the disappointments that I've walked through, I cannot say honestly that I have a confident expectation of good for my future. And if that's you, I wanna be a beacon of hope for you today. Let's go to the scriptures here for a few minutes and let's ask the question, where does hope come from? Let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 15. And if you don't have your Bibles, no worries. We're gonna put these on the screen here for you to follow along. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. The scripture says here, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. The God of hope. It's a part of his title, it's a part of his name, it's a part of his essence, it's a part of his character. He is the God of hope and he can fill you with joy and peace in the midst of whatever storm you're walking through. Watch this, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So where does hope come from? First and foremost, number one, it very simply comes from God. He is the God of hope. He is the God that is very, very intimately acquainted with darkness. He's intimately acquainted with pain. He's intimately acquainted with suffering. He's intimately acquainted with disappointment and unmet expectations. But in the middle of that, he says, I still reserve the right to call myself the God of hope. Because as long as he is God and as long as his plans prevail, hope is alive. Hope is available for us. We also see here that hope is a byproduct of the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope isn't something that we just conjure up. Hope isn't something we will our way into. Hope is something that grows organically inside of us and it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit at work and in operation in our lives. Friend, the best thing that you can do if you're walking through a seemingly hopeless season right now or if you're experiencing what the scriptures call hope deferred, the best thing that you can do is call on the power of the Holy Spirit to resurrect hope inside of you and he will do it. Number two, God calls us to hope. Not only is he the God of hope, but he actually calls us. He invites us into hope. Let's look at Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter one, verse 18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened 
that the eyes of your understanding may be opened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you to. As I understand this, hope actually exists for all of us, but it just might be that we don't have eyes to see it. It reminds me of when I misplace my keys or I misplace my wallet, uh, as, as, I, as I have a tendency to do from time to time. Uh, it's there. And, and, and uh, you know, I, 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 like to, I like to play the blame game and I like to assume that someone else misplaced it for me or took it from me. But no, no, it's there. It's just, I don't have eyes to find it. I don't have eyes to see it. And this is another way that we can pray. We can pray, God, give me eyes to see hope in the midst of this very hopeless situation. I don't have revelation of where that hope is. But here's what the scriptures say. The scripture says, Paul, this is Paul. This is the, the apostolic leader of the church here of Ephesus. And he says, I'm praying for you guys. And I'm actually praying that God would open your eyes to see what's been there all along. It's never been missing. It's never been abandoned. It's not been, it's not been stolen from you. It's there. You just have to have revelation to find it. Friend, if you're in a marriage right now and, and, and the, the consistent voice of the enemy in your mind is, she's not gonna change, you're not gonna change, he's not gonna change, this isn't gonna change. The only thing that is worth changing is getting out of this. I'm, I wanna pray for you that God would open the eyes of your understanding to find hope in the midst of what seems like a dead marriage. For your children who you've been praying for, for your children who at this moment of time in their journey are not making the decisions that you would like for them to make, I'm praying that God would open the eyes of your understanding to find hope that is here, it is there, it is with you in this moment. It says here, I'm praying that he would open the eyes of your understanding, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He has called us to a hope. It is not this general, arbitrary hope. It is a specific hope to which he has called us. And here in a few minutes, we're gonna look at just a couple of the specific things that he has called us to. Here he qualifies this. He says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Here's something that you can put your hope in. You can put your hope in that there's an inheritance for you. And it's not just an inheritance that happens when physical life ends and the resurrected life begins. It is an inheritance that is available for us now. It is a glorious inheritance. It is the inheritance of his people that was purchased by his son and it was authenticated by the resurrection. There's also the inheritance and the hope of power. Look at verse 19. His incomparably great power for us who believe. Power, power to get through this dark night of the soul. Power, power to believe again. Power to stand up even though you've fallen over and over again. Power against sin. As I was preparing for this, I felt just prompted in my heart and prompted in my spirit that some of you feel even hopeless that you're never gonna change, you're never gonna get through that habit or that pattern or that sin cycle or that, that structure over your life. Friend, I want you to know because of the resurrection, there is hope that you can, in fact, overcome those sin patterns in your life. Look at verse 20, it says, he has given us this power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. We're gonna talk about here, this leads us to our very next point. Hope comes from God himself. God calls us to hope, but hope comes through the resurrection. Hope comes through the resurrection. We could almost say that hope was born at and upon and with the resurrection. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter one, beginning at verse three. 1 Peter chapter one, and let's look at verse three. Beginning in verse three, it says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That is just rich, rich, rich language right there. And such a rich promise. I'm gonna read it one more time. It says that we ought to praise God See, what praise does is praise focuses our eyes, it focuses our gaze, it focuses our heart and our vision on the power of God, on the ability of God, on the resources of heaven. And when we focus on that, hope begins to breathe. 
hope begins to expand inside of us. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. And I just wanna, I just wanna touch base on this really quickly. This is not a stoic, sterile, dead, religious hope. This is a living hope. It's a hope that is alive. It's a hope that grows. It's a hope that you, that you can, in conjunction with the word and in conjunction with God's spirit, you can actually nurture that hope so that that hope becomes vibrant and strong and powerful in your life. It is a living hope. It is a hope that is alive and it is alive by the life of God's spirit. It's not a life that we, it's not like we're animating this hope. It is alive because of the life of God's spirit. Let's keep reading here because this is just a fascinating passage of scripture beginning in verse four. He has called us into an inheritance that can never perish. It can never spoil or fade. This inheritance isn't kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So in this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Friend, there is a joy. There is a legitimate rejoicing in God that can be found in the midst of great hardship, in the midst of great heartbreak, in the midst of great difficulty. And it's not a, it's not a fake or it's not a contrived joy. It is a joy, again, that comes from who God is. It comes from his spirit. And it's, the scripture says this, it's unexplainable. It is absolutely unexplainable and it's not to take away from grief. There is a very real grieving. There is a very real sorrow. There is a very real disappointment that happens. But the promise here is very simply this, in the midst of difficulty, there is a joy that is available. And it's available when we set our eyes, not so much on what is, but we set our eyes on what can be. And we set our eyes on what will be in God those things that are available because he is the God of hope. The next place that hope comes from, it comes from the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit inside of you becomes a fountainhead of hope. In fact, Jesus said this to his disciples right on the eve of him going into his crucifixion. He says, guys, I gotta go. And the reason why I have to go, I know that you don't want me to go. We've experienced some incredible moments. There's been legitimate friendship that's been expressed here. You love me, I love you, but I have to go and here's why. Unless I go, I cannot send you the comforter. I can't send you the Holy Spirit if I'm here because the Holy Spirit is completely, fully embodied in me right now. But when I resurrect from the dead, I can then send the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And this is why in Colossians 1.27, the scripture says that Christ who is in us is the hope of glory. He's in us, Christ in you, Christ in me, the Holy Spirit's ever abiding dwelling presence in us becomes that source of hope in our lives. I wanna talk here just for a few more minutes that we have left together. I wanna talk about things that we can put our hope in. Very, very simply, there's many things that we can put our hope in. We can put our hope in Christ's resurrection, that Christ can redeem our broken lives. We can put our, our hope in Christ's resurrection, that power over sin and the struggles of sin have indeed been broken and that change can take place in our lives. We can place hope in, not in the things that are happening in this world, but in the new world and the new created order that God has coming for us. But the, the simply, very simply three things I wanna encourage you guys to put your hope in today. Number one is very simply to put your hope in God himself. Put your hope in the divinity of Christ. Look with me if you would at Romans chapter one. We're gonna take a look at some of our own family members' stories here in this house here in a few minutes who have actually gone through great darkness and great tragedy in their lives, but they found hope and they found hope because they were looking. They were looking for God in the midst of darkness and they were looking for God in the midst of very, very difficult, painful moments. And they've just exhibited such incredible courage and such honest transparency to share their stories with us. Romans chapter one 
beginning in verse one, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, was called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, Jesus, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. I wanna encourage you this morning, church, to put your hope in the lordship of Jesus. The lordship of Jesus. What does that mean? Very simply, it means that he is who he says that he was. That is who he is. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That is who he is. It means that he will begin the faith journey for us, but he will also see us through mountainous terrain, treacherous valleys, danger, darkness, toil, and snare. But he's not just the one who starts us on our journey. He's not just the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the completer. He's the one who fulfills what he promised. He is who he says that he is. You know, it's interesting that in every one of the gospels and the different writers, they have a little bit of a different spin because uh, just because they're different humans and they saw things from their own vantage point. But the common thread in all the resurrection accounts is a gal by the name of Mary Magdalene. She's in every one of the resurrection accounts. Matthew chooses to leave certain things out that John puts in and Mark chooses to leave certain things out that Luke puts in. But every one of them referenced the fact that there at the tomb, when the stone was rolled away, there was a certain gal named Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, many of you may know this, but some of those may not know this. She had a pretty checkered and colored past. And let's just say she didn't make the right choices relationally over and over and over again. And as she encountered Jesus and she experienced such immense mercy and grace, there was hope that what her life had been, that that was not what her life would be. And as I just began thinking about this over and over again, I was just curious, why was it that God was so interested in making sure that we knew that Mary was in every one of the gospel writers' accounts? Think about this. Everything that Jesus did for Mary, everything he said about her, the way he covered her, the way he protected her, the the hope that who she could be was actually legitimate, all of that would have went away without the resurrection. All of that would have been just a passing relationship. All of that would have been, well, here was one person that actually believed in me, but he's gone now. But no, the resurrection, the resurrection says, Mary, everything that Jesus said to you, it is valid. Everything that he has spoken about your future, it will happen. Everything that he called you out of, you never have to return. And here's why, because Christ has risen. He is who he says he is. And friend, today, I want you to know he is who he says that he is. He is the risen Lord. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is our soon coming king. He is the one who inaugurated a new kingdom, which brings us to our next point to put our hope in. Secondly, we can put our hope in the fact that his kingdom has come. His kingdom has come. It has begun. Scripture says that he went about teaching and preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And here is perhaps the most important part of the resurrection that often gets overlooked by our own personal needs and our own personal wants. We tend to look at the resurrection as something that he did for us personally. The reason why Jesus rose again from the dead is so he could save me from my sins, which is part of the puzzle, but the whole landscape is this. He rose again from the dead so that he could restore the entire created order and so that he could set in motion his kingdom. His kingdom. What can you put your hope in today? You can put your hope in very simply this, that his kingdom is here. It has begun The reason why we can call upon the name of the Lord when we experience sickness or or a wrong report that we weren't expecting is because his kingdom's here. 
The reason why when we get laid off from our job or maybe there was an injustice that happened to us or things that, that uh, we got thrown a curveball in life, the reason why we can stand up and wake up in the morning and we can face that adversity is because his kingdom's here. It's because it's here, it's in operation, it's in movement, it's in activity, it's in the here and now. It's the reason why we can face those difficult things. A few weeks ago, we talked about this, this nature of God that is both transcendent, which means it's, it's, just, it's just above and over and above our lives, but also it's imminent, it's close, it's near. And we can place our trust and our hope in the fact that his kingdom is imminent. It's imminent. We can walk in the things that Christ has purchased for us now. We don't have to wait until the resurrected life. We have a story here by one of our family members that's gonna talk a little bit about their journey of finding hope and finding the kingdom in the midst of a great difficulty in their lives. Let's take a look at it. My name is John Collicott. Uh, been coming to Antioch since 2007. I uh, moved my family out here uh, for my job, and uh, we immediately started coming um, as soon as we got here. This is my daughter, Dominique. If, if faith is a muscle, hope would be the protein um, that builds that muscle. Um, <clears throat> hope is a, uh, a place to go to um, when you have um, nothing else left and uh, no reason to smile. Um, hope is a place that'll give you something to smile about. Hope is like climbing a mountain because you know, you're trying to get to the top and that's what you're hoping for. And um, you know, when you're going to, when you're falling down, you're tumbling down the mountain, you're losing that hope. But when you just like build that strength and everything, you're reaching that, um, your goal. Uh, my wife, Lisa, had uh, begun to develop neuromuscular uh, disorders. We uh, took her to the Mayo Clinic uh, where we had the diagnosis of ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. ALS is a horrible disease. Um, it robbed her of everything. Most of the nights I was only sleeping uh, maybe a couple of hours a night because I was up throughout the night turning her over, fixing her mask. Um, trying to understand what she needed. Watching your mom be sick and watching your dad get frustrated and, you know, watching him lose his um, strength at times, it's really hard. And, you know, having your brother move away, like, you know, there, there are lonely times definitely in the house, but it wasn't lonely when I saw the light inside me too, which obviously is God. She died in, uh, on October 30th. Um, of 2015. We are uh, happy that she's with her new husband now, the Lord. I mean, I have a lot of friends that aren't super good Christians or who maybe don't even know the Lord at all. And um, I had a lot of friends tell me how I was, they saw God's light in me because of the strength that he put inside of me. When you can't take any more and you can't handle one more, um, when you can't handle one more setback or you have to change your routine again right after you got things fixed uh, and you just can't take it anymore, I realized that um, God will provide nourishment for you in that way. One of the bigger things was uh, we had seen uh, just the hands and feet of the Lord through the body. And it, it gave me a, uh, a love for the, the body of Christ that I never had before. My despair was on and off. Like I would get really faithful for a while and then really hopeless at some points. And then um, it was a couple months after she got diagnosed. Um, I just started realizing that 
I was losing my mom, and it was really, really hard to accept that. My friends talk about Hearing them talk about doing stuff with their mom is really painful. Because I did have a mom, but she couldn't be a mom to me. And it got harder when my dad couldn't be a parent to me, really. The first time I felt despair in this situation was actually the summer before the diagnosis. I literally felt despair. I, I had never really thought about despair before. Um, you know, it just seemed like uh, life's problems and stuff that would come across were always something that uh, we could overcome as a couple. Um, <clears throat> however, uh, personally, um, as I was watching her go through this, um, I, was, I started to experience despair on my own. Packages of hope just helped keep us going. Um, um, I experienced a second phase of despair after she died. After she did pass, I was surprised that um, I actually missed taking care of her. I didn't miss the lack of sleep and the, the frustration. I, I didn't miss the struggle that I watched her going through. But I did miss the woman who I was taking care of. You never picture losing. You never picture losing your mom at 16 or any of your parents. It's okay to not be okay. And what I mean by that is it's okay to be completely weak at some points. You know, it's okay to lose your strength. It's okay to lose your faith. And even after my mom passing away, it's still been hard. If I were to um, talk to somebody who was experiencing a very hard time, um, um, I would just encourage them, one, not to do it alone. Um, that... Uh, God has provided um, a way out, and um, I would say that um, your your suffering will not be wasted, and your your suffering will um, produce a uh, a new strength in your life that you can never imagine. Just like when uh, Joseph was imprisoned um, in Egypt, he. Uh, he did get out, and literally it's turning one page in the Bible um, to see his, uh, him get out and to uh, become victorious again. And uh, so that was one thing that I always had to tell myself, that the page will turn. And uh, God always provides the hope for the season. John and Dominique, thank you for your incredible courage. And thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for ministering to us. And thank you for being <clears throat> carriers and conveyors of hope to this house and to this family. Hope, um, hope in God's kingdom that is here right now tells us that he can make ugly things beautiful and that he can take broken pieces and he can form them back together again. That's what it means to believe in the kingdom that is here, his kingdom that has begun. Healing is available. Life change is available. Restoration is available. But if we're to be honest with ourselves as we look at the way that life goes sometimes, even though that healing is available and reconciliation is available and those are things that we can fight for and those are things that we can hope in in the midst of us hoping in God, 
if we were honest with ourselves and if we looked around, we would find that sometimes the story that we have written of hope for our lives does not, is not always the story that turns out to be. The life that we fight for, the life that we believe God is going to resurrect, the life that we believe that God is going to miraculously do a turnaround, there are times when that doesn't happen. What do we do with that? How do we reconcile that? There are many questions. And I'd say to you, those questions are good. They're normal, they're natural. We ought to fight with those questions and fight through those questions and we ought to fight with those questions with God, the God of hope and allow him to be the interpreter and allow him to be the translator of all those questions with us. And when we marginalize God out of the equation of those questions, what we find is we, we, we lose hope. We lose sight of the next point. And the next point very simply is this, our hope is not just that his kingdom has begun, but our hope is also that his kingdom is coming in its fullness. That the things that happen here in this world are not the end of the story because there is a new world and the lives that we live here in this world are just the beginning. The resurrection tells us that cancer did not win. The resurrection tells us that broken relationships didn't win. The resurrection tells us Satan did not win. The resurrection tells us that generational curses and generational cycles, they didn't win. The resurrection tells us emphatically that God wins. The resurrection tells us that there is no terminal disease that is greater than the power and the authority of God who holds the last word because after this life, there is a resurrected life. And we know in part and we see in part, but one thing that we know in part is that the end of the story, which is the fullness of his kingdom is still coming to us. So his kingdom has begun and his kingdom is coming and we're living in the middle of this tension. And it's one of the reasons, and we're also living in this fallen world. But this fallen world will soon, one day, be a new world. A new created order. And every person that was dear to us in this world will be equally as dear to us in the new created world. And our purpose and our destiny and our lives will continue with great meaning, with great purpose. So what can you place your hope in? You can place your hope in the resurrected Lord. You can place your hope in the kingdom that has begun and everything that is available for us now. But in the event, the part of your story didn't end out the way that you wanted it to be, you can place your hope in the kingdom that is coming. Let's take a look at the story. Hope is knowing that God is good and he will come through despite the circumstances and despite things that happen. The overarching idea of knowing that God is good no matter what. My name is Kristen Olson. I've been going to Antioch here for um, a little over two years. And um, my heart is definitely in missions and in serving and in telling people about um, Christ. And I graduated college in May. And the very next day, I left to go on um, a two-month mission trip to Indonesia. So I was having this awesome summer, you know, just helping people, helping these Muslims see the light of Christ. And it was just probably the happiest time I've ever had. And um, I was just on top of the world until um, I got a phone call about uh, eight months or eight weeks into my trip. Um, that said, I need to call my mom. And, um, you know, that night was probably the worst night. It went, it went from being 
the happiest summer of my life to the saddest in an instant. And I didn't know what, how to deal with that. I didn't know what to do with that. Like, how do you go? Like, I'm on a mission trip. I'm serving the Lord. Like, how could this happen, you know? And I had to leave my team there. They finished up, and I came back by myself, not knowing what I was going home to and not knowing the uh, situation that I was going to come home to. And the very next day, I came home, and we drove up to Casper, Wyoming, where my brother was living. We had to go and see his body. It was... um, one of the most heartbreaking things to see my little brother laying there. He was hard and he was cold and he had a gunshot wound in the side of his head. And um, I didn't quite know what to do with that. And uh, we went to the place where he last was, you know, still covered in blood on the ground. And um, I can't, get over when I saw my dad just sitting there weeping. I've never seen my dad cry before. And just what this did to my mom and what this did to my dad and my sister. And um, I don't know, I couldn't even believe that this was happening. My brother had messaged me the day before he shot himself. And he said, I'm so glad you're on this mission trip and I'm so happy for you and I can't wait to see you when you get back. And so obviously I was excited to see him and that's not how it turned out. And I never realized that day of my graduation was the last day I would see my brother ever again. So it's hard sometimes to think like, how can God work through such a hard you know, situation? You just think it's all, it's all horrible. But you know, I, I definitely know that God can take, you know, make beauty out of ashes. And I, um, kind of have a little bit more of a a fire to want to go share with people around the world because you don't know what they're going through and you never know when it will be their last day. So why would you hold back in sharing this truth with somebody when maybe they won't be there tomorrow and maybe by sharing you can save them, you know, both literally and (laughs) physically. But just looking back and and, um, holding my family closer and and realizing the value in family because losing a family member, you know, is is just so hard and, and you can't look to the world for answers because the world is not what we're living for. The world is not what we're created for. We are not in the world and Christ is the only solution that we can have. Christ is the only hope that we can have. So, Don't look around, look up, look at Christ, and He will give you hope and He will give you joy. And the amazing thing of Christ is that He can give you joy even when you think it's impossible to. Even when you think that it's impossible to put a smile on your face, just knowing the hope that Christ has to offer and what He did for us on the cross, it will give you a joy like you never thought was possible. So in the end, you realize that God really is above everything and he's so good and worthy to be praised. Kristen, thank you so much for your your courage, for your heart. Thank you for your example to us. Thank you for your ministry. <clears throat> I feel like it'd be appropriate here as we close out. I'd like to have our communion attendants go ahead and make your way to your stations. I'd, last, I'd like to pray this morning. I'd like to pray for every single person in this room who would say, <clears throat> I, I have a story that I could share or I find myself right now in a place where I'm in need of that resurrected hope. I need a fresh injection of the hope of God to enter into my heart, whatever it might be. It could be financially. It could be a a sickness. 
It could be a sickness in, in a family member or a friend. It could be a relationship that's tense at the moment. It could be grief that you're still experiencing over, the, over a family member or a friend who has indeed now crossed over into resurrection power in life. I want to pray hope over you and I want to pray hope with you and I want to pray hope in you this morning. And if that's you, I want to, I want to invite you just to stand with me so I can take a look at who it is that I'm praying with this morning. In any way that you feel that you are in the need of hope today. Thank you so much for your courage. Church family, if you would just take a look at those that are around you. Just warmly and lovingly ask if, if you could join those that are standing in prayer. Communion attendants, feel free to come on up here to the front. Hope is not a substitute. Hope does not take away pain. Hope does not deny its existence. grants us with a grace and it grants us with a strength to find God. So today, Father, I pray for my friends. Pray for my family members. I pray for those that you have sovereignly guided and brought here to this moment in time. Whatever their story may be, Lord, I know that you are intimately acquainted with it and you care deeply. As they are walking through a dark night of the soul, I ask God that you would open the eyes of their hearts that they would find the hope to which you've called them to. Father, I pray today that even just, even if there were just a seed of hope that was lovingly imparted into the soil of their hearts. I pray that that seed would grow. Father, I pray that where they, they feel that you are distant and you are far away or even non-existent, I ask that you would come near. And I ask that you would be close. And I ask that you would be the God of hope for every one of my friends today. Lord, who need hope to be alive. Pray, Father, for the power of the resurrection of Christ to be made known and to be made real in every person's life and heart here today. I pray for marriages. I pray for loved ones. I pray for healing. I pray for financial turnarounds, God. I pray for comfort in the midst of grief. I pray that you would make these horrific tragedies beautiful pray that you would finish the story, that you would not allow anyone or anything to finish the story, Lord, that you would finish the story. For in you, no tragedy remains a tragedy, because you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. May grace, may comfort, may peace name resurrection hope come to you today friend afresh and anew scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 4:13 it says brothers we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep we do not want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have passed in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you what we who are still alive, we who are left till the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice the archangel with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with him forever. Therefore, encourage each 
as we stand before the table of the Lord, which is this bread and it is this cup of juice. It represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. It represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. It represents a dark moment. It represents tragedy. It represents the sovereignty and the wisdom of God. It represents sacrifice. But it also represents the resurrection. So today I want to invite you to come to the Lord's table. We're going to take of these elements together and as we take of them, we're going to make a declaration. The resurrection power of Jesus releases fresh hope into our lives and into this world. Christ is the hope of the world, but he is made known through the hope of his people. And I take strength in your stories. I take strength in walking through your pain with you. I take strength in seeing you find God and find peace and find comfort. I find strength journeying with you. So today we're going to... I'd like to dismiss today with the scripture. If we could put on the screen Romans chapter 5. Would you stand and declare this and then we'll be dismissed into our day and into our week with the victory and the promise of hope that is available. Romans 5, 1. And we'll just read the first five verses together for our closing today. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless you today with hope, with the victory and the life and the peace that come from the resurrection. May your day today be filled with laughter and happiness and joy. May your time with your family be rich. May your thoughts of the future be God's thoughts. May he fill you with his vision. May he comfort those of you who mourn. And may his kingdom, his ever-increasing and ever-growing kingdom, may it expand and may it increase in your lives. God bless you, Antioch, and all of our guests. We welcome you back with us next week. Happy Resurrection Day.